Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Glad you are here. Welcome, welcome. You made it. You made it. Hey, if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you came. I'm John. I'm lead pastor here. And uh, I'm starting a new series, so you came at a perfect time. Uh, For the next four weeks, we'll be doing this series called Good Days. And I want you to open your scriptures, your Bible, in just a moment to 2 Peter. So you can kind of get your Bible out, get ready to go there now. But uh, as I'm getting ready to begin this message, um, think about it like this. I want to just throw out a question for you. If you were a parent and you had your kids and... You're sending them off to school. Uh, You might let them out of the car, and before they go, you'd say something like, I love you. Have a have a good day. Like it would be a phrase that would roll off the tip of your tongue. Or if you're meeting with a a friend early in the morning for coffee or something, and and then you're heading out into your day, you'll say, All right, hey, later, man. Have a have a good day. If you speak Spanish, you might look at somebody and say, Hola, buenos dias. And it's literally translated good day, right? And, And Uh, If you are pretending to be British, you might look at someone and say, well, good day, sir, right, something like that. Or it's just me that pretends to be British. Anyway, the phrase good day, it is, um, it's one that we love to hear. All of us enjoy hearing it. Or or we might say it this way. We might say, good morning, if we speak that way. But nonetheless, that phrase good and good day, it comes through in our lives in ways that we love. And I've never heard somebody feel irritated that somebody said, hey, have a good day. I think most of us actually wake up hoping to have good days. And here's what I know, is that God does not guarantee anybody to have a life that's free from struggle and pain and problems. But God does give us invitations in his word for ways that we can choose to live that might make an experience of his goodness a little bit more likely. And in particular, God invites us to take his word to heart and gives us an invitation to make choices that lead to us having good days. Everybody say good days. Okay, so we're going to turn in just a moment to to first or second Peter. But before we do that, I just need to pause and, and say something. Okay, so I wasn't planning on doing this, but I need to. So there's a brother in our church that uh, felt God prompting him to do something, and uh, that was to throw a big old party for our whole community. And it would be, the vision would be, it would be a worship party that this whole valley could come to and seek God together and pray together. And, uh, and so Derek Jones is throwing this party, and it's next week, and it's at the Storm Stadium, and there's going to be Elevation Worships, uh, Mac Brock will be there, and Andrew Hopkins from our region will be there. And I hope a lot of you might be there, too. And so I just wanted to let you know about it because it's next Saturday. And, and my brother's sitting in the front row. Would you stand up for a second? He's a man who has done this in faith. You've seen Derek standing in the front row during worship for, for years, right? But he just felt like God prompted him, hey, let's do this. Stay standing for a moment. And, and let's throw this big worship concert. And let's just see what God might do. So, so it's a, an act of faith. And he decided last week, look, I, we, the tickets will be free for anybody who's 18 and under. And so, man, I hope that we would just rally together and go. And next Saturday night, go to Storm Stadium and have a great old time of worship. And I just want to say, Derek, thank you 
for leading this kind of a thing for our valley and uh, inviting many of us to come experience God together. And I want to say thank you for stepping out in faith. Thank you for exercising that gift of faith. And I know that right now you have no idea what's going to happen, but we want to we speak good words of blessing over you. It's a big deal to do something like what Derek has chosen to do. And I just want us to take a moment and pray over him. And so, Father, I thank you for Derek and Angelica. I thank you, God. They're always faithful in this church body. But Derek has stepped out with Ruach uh, Ministries, Ruach.live, to create this great concert, this worship concert that we could come to and as a whole community, lots of different churches, experience your presence. And I pray, God, for Derek and Angelica right now. God, that you, you would strengthen them because it's been hard to do this thing. And it's a tough challenge, but they've gone after it. And Lord, we pray you'd bless them. And we pray that there would be great fruitfulness from what happens next Saturday night. And together as a congregation, we bless that concert happening at the Storm Stadium. And we bless it with our prayers. And many of us, we're going to bless it by showing up and be blessed in it. So Lord, bless this man, this woman of God that has stepped out in faith. And God, would you bring the fruitfulness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And hold up, hold up, hold up. Before you clap. So Derek, let me tell, tell people how they can find out more. How? Go to ruach.live. Okay, go to ruach.live. I'm going to spell it for you because somebody's like, what did you say? R-U-A-C-H, ruach.live. And that's where you can find out like, all the details, what time and the tickets and all that good stuff. But uh, would you just celebrate these guys? I just thank God for your faith. Well done, brother, sister. Mm. So it's one thing to, to do a sermon series called Faith Moves. It's another thing to say, all right, we will put a deposit on the Storm Stadium and a production company and bring in these amazing worship leaders. So I'm just excited for you, and thank you for doing that. So uh, yeah, anyway, I want to get back to this message, but we're turning to 1 Peter. Uh, and 1 Peter, I think I said 2 Peter. I meant 1 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. So Peter is, in this part of the scriptures, actually taking some verses from Psalm 34 and then repeating them in the New Testament. And when I see Holy Spirit inspiring words from the Old Testament to be repeated again in the New Testament, it's like there's an exclamation point there. It's like as though God said, this one you don't want to miss. You know. So what we're going to do for these three or four weeks is we're going to take just what we read, and we're going to go through it nice and slow and figure out what God's really saying to us about how to have good days. OK, so let me just take you back to verse 10 again and just... Look at it with me. It says, whoever would love life and see good days. Everyone say, good days. Whoever of you would love life. Keep that on the screen for a moment. Whoever of you would love life and see good days. Let's just clarify something. It's a noble and good desire to have a life that you can love. And it's a noble and good desire to want to see good days. And that's something that God affirms and says then, okay, whoever would love life and see good days, let me give you some insight about how to get there, or at least how to make it more likely. 
And so this isn't a guarantee, but it is an invitation. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so again, the scripture says, whoever of you would love life and see good days. Everyone say it again, good days. I want you to just think about your own life and just declare prophetically, I'm going to see good days in my life. I'm going to see good days in my life with my family. I'm going to see good days in my marriage. I'm going to see good days in the future with my children. I'm going to see good days with the people I work with. I'm going to see good days. Listen, or the alternative is to keep frowning and say, no, I want it all to be bad. (laughs) Sometimes we need to recognize the power that's in our tongue And that there is something about even doing what we just did just now to say, I'm thinking about my life, I'm thinking about my circumstances, I'm thinking about the people, and I'm declaring, I'm going to see good days. Do you realize how dramatically important it is that you recognize the the complete authority of God that's in you through what you say? Your words create worlds. And I'm asking you, what kind of world have you been making by what you've been saying? And so the scripture, I got to take you there again to verse 10 one more time. It said, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. So in this series, there are four elements that are an invitation from God for ways to live that are more likely to lead to good days. But the first one has to do with your mouth and what you what you say. Earlier this week, uh, Ann and I had a little moment in, in the morning. We were both getting ready for the day. And I said, hey, what do you got going on today? And she told me. She said you know, that she had this. And then she mentioned that she was going to have a certain meeting with a certain couple of people. And as soon as she said those words about that meeting with a couple of people, I, I, I just jumped right in. I'm like, oh, OK, well, you're going to meet with those people. You're going to need to say this. You better need to make sure to talk about that. And definitely bring up this with them. And you're going to need to also say, do some teaching on this. And you should probably give some guidance on that. Like that, right? You remember how the title of the series is Good Days? Okay, so what I just did was exactly not to do, so to have a good day. Uh, I mean, I just ran right over her with my domineering voice. I started making assumptions and telling her what to do and assuming I knew it all and just saying it like that. She's over here in the front row saying, yeah. (laughs) But it's true. And and after I, I finally took a breath, and she could get, you know, in edgewise. She said, hey, yeah. She literally had to put up the stop sign. Like, <laughs> she said, you, you really don't have any idea what you're talking about. It has nothing to do with that or that or that or that or that at all. And I just had to hear that. And in that moment, I had to say, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. So anyway, this is a, a, a principle that I hope that we would take to heart. This, this thing from Proverbs, or sorry, 1 Peter 3.10. I want you to Actually, say verse 10 out loud with me. Ready? Go. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Part of what God is saying to you and I is that a mark of maturity in our faith as much as I, I think it's really great when people learn to you know, sing out a praise song really loud or lift our hands up really high, those kind of things are wonderful and good. But it's like as though God is saying, you know what I'd really love to see, though, is that not, is that not just on Sunday morning, but on every other day of the week, that you would pay attention to what you're saying, 
that you would be more mindful of your words. You want to see good days? Then begin to be more intentional with what you're communicating and be responsible about it. I mean, that's the essence of the phrase, right? Whoever would see good days must keep his tongue from evil. It's like God is saying, look, you want to see good days? Here's an alternate translation. Don't say ratchet stuff to people. Right, like that's, that's kind of the essence of it, isn't it? And, and if you look at your life, you'll probably notice some of the struggles and problems have been from your lack of doing exactly what we just read. And sometimes you just let it fly, you just say whatever you want. And I'm not only talking about it verbally. Sometimes it's uh, what we type. Sometimes it's what we write with a pen and send in a letter or whatever. Most often, though, it's with our thumbs. And those things also are, are, are what counts in terms of, of keeping your tongue from evil. What does it mean to have your tongue engaged in evil? I want us to think about that for a moment. You know, on one hand, you might think, keep your tongue from evil, and you're, you might go to the extreme, right, where evil is about, oh, I'm going to talk about the devil and affirm the devil in hell. I mean, okay, I mean, that would be the actual extreme. But that's not really what the scripture's indicating. The scripture's indicating a whole spectrum of ways of using our communication faculty that don't bring God glory and that do damage. And, and it's things like this. It's just the moments when you say something unkind and hurtful. Where you're just like, listen, get out of my way. You're just a piece of trash. That would be unkind and hurtful. Or, or you're, you're saying something prideful and insulting. I don't mean to be prideful, but God has given me a special ability, and I'm much better than everyone else. I mean, prideful and hurtful. Insulting. Dismissive. Dismissive. That you, you, you being dismissive is a way of engaging your tongue in evil. Here's what dismissive looks like. Whatever. Ooh. Come on. Don't we all know that one word? Oh, sometimes that one word feels like it came straight from hell. It's dismissive. It's a way of using the tongue for evil. Or you can be commanding and demeaning. You just need to do what I say and you need to do it right now. Right? And unless you happen to be a drill sergeant in the army, <laughs> you might want to rethink that because there can be a way that it's just demeaning and dismissive. Or sometimes you might simply speak with, with, with a bunch of words that are not appropriate for church. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you think it's no big deal and it's just what you're used to because that's just how everybody talks on job sites. No, it's an invitation for evil to come through your very mouth. And God is saying, I want you to see good days, but that won't help you get there. And so it's not that as, as people in church that, that, that we're trying to be prude, but we're trying to reflect the kingdom of God and God's ruling and reigning over what we speak and communicate. And the thing is, here's what I know. Most of us as good Christian people, none of us would say anything like what I just said in church on Sunday. But on Tuesday afternoon, when that coworker presses that button... I don't know. But I think that's where it counts, huh? We're not trying to cultivate just a, a Sunday faith. We're trying to be people who follow Jesus day in and day out. And we live in his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. But that doesn't mean we stop growing. 
We live in his mercy and his forgiveness, but his grace actually empowers us to keep growing. And maybe one of the ways God wants you and me to keep growing is through what we're communicating. And I'm hoping and praying that you'll hear this. Proverbs 15.4, it says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. Some of us are living with words that we, we heard that did wound and did maim. They wounded our heart. They maimed our sense of identity. And maybe it was one sentence, but that came to be like a life sentence for our destiny. Or, or maybe it was even just one word or one label or one name, and it just got blasted onto you, and you took it to heart, and, you, and you've been living in reaction to those words that have wounded and maimed you, even to this day. And if that's you, I want you to know there's healing available for you, that God is able to heal broken hearts that have been wounded and maimed by evil words. And it's not to say that the person was evil, or maybe they were, but nevertheless, God's power is great enough to bring healing to that wounded place in you. The poison can be removed, and the damage can be healed by the Spirit of God. And so we're, we're going to pray for that, but I want you to know how important it is to take this all to heart. And so uh, I need a volunteer right now. I need somebody who's willing to come up here and be a volunteer. Uh, I, I might just have, oh, there we go. All right, thank you, Michael Perez. Would you give it up for this brother right here? Okay, so what I want you to do, okay, so I want you to just go ahead, take that uh, tube of toothpaste, just the tube of toothpaste, open it up, and uh, now I want you to just squirt it all out right there on the plate, all of it, yep. Go ahead, get aggressive, man. Make it happen. Make it happen. All of it, every last squeezy, ooey, gooey, nasty drop. Get it out of there. Smells, smells minty fresh up here right now. Pretty good. Okay, he did a good job. Look at that. Good, good, good. Hold on, hold on. Okay, now um, put it back. <laughs> See what we did there? Okay, you can put it down and, and you're all done. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Michael Perez. All right. <laughs> what we did is we made a mess. And there's no putting it back. And when, when you refuse to take to heart what I'm speaking about in this message today, and you just decide, I'm going to say whatever I want, unfiltered. It, it's like this. It's like it's going to come out and it's going to make a mess or do damage, and there's no putting it back. And so I think God is looking at you and I saying, this really matters. And, and when you just let it fly and say whatever you want, and you, and you say to that spouse, I wish I never would have married you. When you look at those kids and you say to that daughter or that son, you're a stupid piece of chalk, or whatever else. I mean, that, that, that does something. And there's no putting it back. It's that important. And there is a solution. There's a solution. This, this is the solution. Yeah, that's right. I know. It's an awkward thing to see on Sunday in church. What am I looking at? Go ahead, look at it. Let it make an impression on you. Because I truly believe that God looks at you and says, I do actually expect you to learn this spiritual discipline. This is a spiritual discipline. Obviously, we're getting figurative here, but it's a godly thing. 
It's something that the scripture speaks of time and time again. Like, for example, in Psalm 39, verse 1, it says, I said to myself, I will watch what I do, and I will not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Why don't you say that verse of scripture off the screen out loud with me? Ready? Go. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. Pause right there. Listen, listen. Sometimes you got to say to yourself, what I say really matters. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I want to. It's in me. I'm not. And you're always able to do this. You know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you if you put your trust in Jesus. And so you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is self-control. You actually can do this. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will say it with me. Say that last part out loud. Go. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. I will hold my tongue. So many of the problems, you can take that weird thing down. So many of the problems in our life, not all, but many are the result of things that we've said and the damage that they've done, the harm that they've brought. Sometimes we even couch the things that we say in spiritual sounding language. It doesn't make it any better. And and God's, I think, calling you and I uh, to live a different kind of a way and to recognize that just because you thought it doesn't mean you had to say it. It's perfectly acceptable to have an unexpressed thought. And actually, for for so many of us, it's actually a, a spiritual discipline we need to learn for the sake of the future legacy of those kids. They need to come up different than you did. They need a chance to not be blasted with those kinds of statements and words. And God can give you by the grace of the Spirit of God within you, the Holy Spirit for your self-control, so you do it different. And I'm praying that you will. Proverbs 10.19 said, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent, say it, the prudent hold their tongues. Not the prude, the prudent, as in those who are wise, those who want to see good days, hold their tongues. You know, sometimes, though, we find ourselves in a moment where we're extremely frustrated. Yeah, we got blood boiling inside. And that boiling blood just wants to go somewhere. And oftentimes it wants to go right here and come right out on somebody. And in those moments, I think maybe what we could do is take a cue from King David. What I notice about King David is a lot of the Psalms are written by King David. King David is known as a man after God's own heart, but everybody who's looked at David's life recognizes he was not perfect, and he wasn't called a man after God's own heart because he was perfect, but he was recognized as a man after God's own heart because he he inclined his heart to come back to the the Lord, even when he was mad. And what what I love is in the Psalms, there are, are these moments where David gets real and honest, let's just say. And there are at least a dozen of these psalms that are called uh, psalms of, of cursing. Or to clean it up a little, the theologians call it imprecatory odes. Anyway, <laughs> but there are these psalms where David just takes all of his anger that he's got about an individual, but he brings it 
into the presence of God and hands it off to God. And it comes through in statements like in Psalm, uh, Psalm 5, where David says, oh, my enemy, God, my enemy has a throat that's like an open grave. <laughs> or he comes in, in Psalm 10 and says, oh, God, I prayed you would break the arm of my enemy. <laughs> in Psalm 35, God, I want my enemy to fall into the trap they set for me. Or in Psalm 59, oh, God, my enemies are a bunch of prowling dogs running around. Or in Psalm 69, oh, God, rescue me, but my enemy enemy, I want you to blot out his name from the book of life and let him never be forgiven. I mean, those are real words, right? Anybody ever felt any of those kind of things? What do you do with it? You do what David did with it. You come into the presence of God like David did, and you say, God, here. And God, it's like as though God listens and says, keep it coming. What else you got? Got any more in there? Give it all to me. A couple weeks ago, I, you know, personally, I just, I'll spare you the details, but I had a moment where Bunch of, just a bunch of feelings inside, the blood boiling inside. What am I going to do? I got in my, in my truck. I drove down the street and around the corner and, and parked on the side of the road. And I sat there in my truck. I went, God, except there were words. N-S-F-C, not safe for church kinds of words. But, but, but it's me in a David-like moment saying, God, here's, I can't, I, I know I can't say these things to, to him, right? So, but God, I'm saying it to you. And it's like God listens and says, what else? What else? Anything else? And then when, when I'm done, you good? Now go in peace. God can handle it. You know, when David was praying all those things, you, you know that God is under no obligation to do any of the things David was asking for. When David's like, oh, God, gouge out their eyes. God's able to interpret, I know what you mean. What you mean is, I'm really frustrated. God is sovereign, and we can trust him. We can offload all of the feelings that we have to him with our words, and he can take that. He can take that and say, all right, now go in peace. Now, for me personally, I still had a matter that I needed to deal with. But now I could come in peace to deal with it, because the mean steam had been let off. So I think this is something that is a bit of a spiritual art that maybe some of us need to learn, is to take it to the one who can handle it. And it's not your daughter. And it is certainly not your wife. And it absolutely isn't your husband either. It isn't your mom. It isn't your dad. It's your heavenly father. You can bring it to him. And that is a way that you can keep your tongue from evil. Because when you bring the stuff, the poison that's there into the presence of the holy God, he can cleanse it. He can cleanse your heart from which your mouth is speaking, as Jesus said. Uh, I have a, a kind of a personal principle, and it's tone it or own it. It's just two words, tone it or own it. Here's what I mean by that. I, I need to, and I have needed to learn, and continue to need to learn more, to recognize the tone of what I'm saying, and to infuse a bit more of the tone of heaven, and the tone of the kingdom of heaven into what I'm saying. It, because I, I have this tendency, and it's to, to speak in ways that are just kind of 
abrupt, harsh, gruff, and a little bit mean sounding. I mean, not on a Sunday morning when I'm preaching, right? But people who know me recognize, gosh, you're a little short. You're a little like, uh, you know, you're a little cold sounding there. And it is. I, 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 I guess it's because I have a bunch of relatives that are from the cornfields of Iowa, and everybody's just direct and to the point and a little bit harsh. And, and that's in me. And I've had to realize and learn over the years and keep learning the tone really matters. And, and I need to work to infuse my communication with the tone of heaven, which sounds like some warmth, some kindness, some honor, some joy, some appreciation, some validation and affirmation where that's possible. Like All of those things really matter. And if they're missing, I end up using my tongue for evil because of the lack of a heavenly tone. Tone it or own it. So tone it. Everyone say tone it. Tone it. You're going to need to learn to tone it. Or you're going to have to own it. Own it. Own it. Own it if you've blown it. This past week, I wish I could tell you I get this right all the time. I don't. This past week, even sometimes this comes through even in what we thumb out into a message, right? And with a couple of people on our team here, I had something I needed to say, and I said it with my thumbs. I went boom, 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 boom. And I sent that message. And after I sent it, it was one of those, like, a couple hours later in the day, something uneasy in me, like, why am I feeling so, hmm? And I was thinking about what I sent. And I just sent a, it was very factual, very to the point, and very gruff-sounding kind of a text. Even just in a text, I know this sounds like, what's the big deal? But to me, it was a big deal, because it messed with the relationships. I'm, I could feel how it would be on the receiving side of that, right? And so I had to own it. And so I did own it. This is what it looked like this week for me to own it. I sent a message back to, to these guys, and I said, hey there, I apologize for my tone in this chat sounding shrill and abrupt. If we were sitting face to face, I would have also said, ah, and, <laughs> and probably, hmm, along with my, <clears throat> and I would have at least also tried to say, oh, hey, ha-ha. <laughs> anyway, I sent that. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, right? But even just simply... Tending to the tone in what you write can, can adjust whether this sounds like it's from heaven or from hell. And so I want you to, to catch this. Proverbs 18.21, this is, this is the dividing line. Proverbs 18.21 said, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Why don't you say this one with me out loud? Ready, go. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You, you, you're going to eat it. You know what the scripture is revealing is that everything we communicate is either going to sound a little bit like heaven or a little bit like hell. Life and death. Power of the tongue. And so the pivotal question for you and me to ask and answer is, is what I'm saying Sounding a little bit more like heaven or a little bit more like hell. And I'm saying it in what I'm writing. I'm saying it in what I'm messaging. I'm saying it in what I'm blast posting. I'm saying it in what I'm whispering. I'm saying it uh, behind closed doors. I'm saying it about that person over there. Did you know that there are 133 verses of scripture calling us not to gossip? Do you know that there are 166 verses of scripture where God is calling us not to lie? So if you're a person who's learning the ways of the kingdom of God, you need to know that. That God regards as something 
on the side of, of death, and he's called you to speak life. That's what he's called you to do. You're made in the image of God. And do you know that because you're made in the image of God, you're a little bit like God in the, the fact that as you speak, there is a consequence. Not to the degree that God brings a consequence, but there's fruit is what we just read in Proverbs 18, 21. Something grows out of what you say. And what's growing? How's the fruit? Is it heavenly or hellish? You know, and so if there's, a, if there's a problem, we can actually make a course correction. And we can start today by the power of the Spirit and ask that helpful question, is this sounding more like heaven or sounding more like hell? Uh, a couple, uh, or last week I was meeting with a couple, and as I was getting to know them, uh, I, I just picked up on something in the guy. I was like, man, it, he doesn't quite sound like, you know, native Southern California. What, I wonder, you know, what's going on? Where is he from? And then finally, later in the conversation, I didn't want to be, like, direct and just ask, but it came out that uh, his family had all moved from Jamaica. And I was like, ah, that is it. That's what I was hearing there, a little, little bit of an accent, really kind of fun to listen to, but just subtle. And then a couple weeks ago, uh, I was uh, interviewing a gal, and uh, she was talking, but she had a very strong British accent. There was no question where she was from. Jolly old England, through and through. The only question was which part of England. And I asked her what she wanted to drink. And of course, she said a tea. And then she said specifically a London fog. That's what she drank in our meeting. It was great. See, I told you I like to pretend to be British. It's a thing. It's a thing. But there was no question. She had an accent. And it was very clear where she was from. And... What I'm hoping is that all of us would learn to speak with an accent. You're a follower of Jesus, aren't you? And you, as a follower of Jesus, desire to live in the reality of the kingdom of God. Yeah? And Jesus said in, in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus said in John 15, 19, and John 17, 16, because you're part of my kingdom, you are not of this world. I want you to just turn to somebody and tell them, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> you don't have to do it. That was a little corny, but you... <laughs> you're not. If you have put your trust in Jesus, you've been changed from the inside out. You're a new creature, a new creation, and you belong to the kingdom of God. And I hope that you would learn to sound like it to sound like it. You know, Philippians 3.20 says this about you. It says, Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven. Why don't you read that verse with me? Ready? Say it. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We're citizens of heaven, and I hope that you would have an accent that gives away your true identity and where you're really from. <laughs> you would talk like it, that there would be more heaven coming through your communication than hell, that there would be a reflection of the world you're from. And that's the main point of my message is this. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. That's the message today. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. Say it with me. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. The world you're from is the kingdom of God, not of this world, heaven itself. And so if your communication is filled with slander, 
and criticism and the insults and gossip. Oh, man, we got some work to do. But Holy Spirit's always able to do that work. But you're invited to actually engage in the work with the Spirit of God personally, deliberately, intentionally as part of your worship. It is part of your, your worship to do this, to live out this new identity, to sound like heaven, that there would be an accent of heaven in how you talk. Let, let, let me just take you to one place in Scripture that gives a bit of a, a sense of the flavor of the sound of heaven, Ephesians 4.29. It said this, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The accent of heaven is ultimately love. But let, let's break it down a little bit. What, what, are the, what do words sound like if they're birthed in heaven? I think the kind of words that you and I are meant to be speaking to our friends, to our communities, to our husband or wife, and to our kids, to our brothers and sisters are words uh, that are words of honor, words that are kind, words that are gentle, words that are affirming, words that are appreciative, words that are thankful, words that are heart-boosting, words that are empowering, words that are helpful and inspiring, words that are healing, words that are lifting, and words that are restoring. And in some cases, when the relationship merits it, words that bring correction, but that's distinctly in a parent-child relationship where that shows up strongest. Proverbs 18, or 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Psalm 141, verse 3 says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Keep watch over the door of my lips. Like, I got I to gotta ask you to help me, God. God, would you set the guard? I need you to help me. It's okay to pray that way. Actually, a lot of us, it would do us good to pray that way. God, help. Set, would you set a guard here? Imagine, imagine the good that will come in your relationships when you choose to speak words of life rather than words of death. Imagine the good that comes in your friendships when you decide, no, I'm going to remove the snide insulting, slandering types of comments. I'm just not bringing them into the mix anymore. I'm going to throw those down at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And instead, I'm going to bring words that are a word of blessing. Jesus called us to respond with blessing, not cursing. Reiterated in, in the book of Romans, bless and do not curse. This is what you're made for. And so my resolve in in this is, is to do the following. I'll make the words I say sound more like the world I'm from. You can say that with me as a resolve, if it's true for you. I'll make the words I say sound more like the world I'm from, because I'm from a heavenly country, and I'm going to sound like it. I hope my accent gets thicker and thicker the older I get. It's not quite as strong. My accent isn't quite as strong as I'd like it to be, but I'm working on it. I hope you're working on it, too. I believe that many of us are going to affect 
positive change in our lives by doing what the Word of God has called us to here. By the way, I know that we have a lot of people that join us online. We have people in the military that are stationed overseas, and so we put extra emphasis sometimes on making sure we have cameras that work and lights that work. And I just, and some of us are at home. We got sick and we couldn't make it into the building today, but we're, we're together even this way. And I just want to say, right now is a moment of healing. For, for some of us, we need healing because of words that have been spoken to us. And I want to ask that we could pray together for a moment and seek God for that healing. And then we'll pray over what, what, what we're saying, too. God, I pray right now for your hand of healing to be on us. God, I do pray that for any of us who have been blasted by somebody with a label, God, I pray for your healing. And I want to tell you, you are not what they have said about you. You are what your heavenly Father says about you. They said, you're just an addict. They said, you're a liar. They said, you're a control freak. They said, And you, you have a, your own answer there, what you've heard. But I'm telling you right now, you are not what they have said about you. You are what your heavenly Father says about you. And through your faith in Jesus, he says about you, you are my beloved son, my loved daughter, my redeemed child. You are my valuable and cherished one. You are an overcomer. You are strong in me. You are able because I am at work in you. So, Father, I pray that you would allow the script to be rewritten on the inside. For some of us that feel like we've been living with a bunch of words that have spoken over us that have done damage, Lord, I pray that right now you would do a healing. And I pray, Father, right now that your healing would come. And this is what I sense in the spirit. It's like as though there's poison that's just got to be extracted from you right now. And if you would let him, Holy Spirit is, I believe, on the move to bring healing to hearts that have been damaged by words said. You don't have to do anything except simply receive. And right now, for somebody, it's happening. He's healing you. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're extracting poison of words and labels that have been blasted onto some of us wrongly. Somebody right now, you just join me and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for healing me of that. Just say it with me in faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for healing me of that. I'm not what he said. I'm not. I'm what you say. Thank you, Lord. Father, I also pray that, God, you would give many of us conviction. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've been so proud, thinking that we were so right and everyone else was so wrong. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, God, for being so careless and reckless with what we've said. 
And forgive us, God, for blasting uh, people that you called us to love. Forgive us, God, for where we, we have blurted out garbage and it's just done a bunch of damage. Would you forgive us for doing that? Lord, we repent. And I pray also, Father, that you would give some of us the courage now to take a step and to own it. And so while we're praying together, for some of you, here's the, here's the work. I'm commissioning you in Jesus' name to go to the person that you have done damage to by what you've said and how you've said it, and to look at them and say to them, I am so sorry for how I've hurt you by what I've said to you. It was wrong, and I'm sorry. Full stop. Would you do that? Some of you, that's your work, spiritually, to actually do that. I'm so sorry for how I hurt you by what I said. Would you forgive me? Do this work. I commission you in Jesus' name to do it and see the good and the healing that may come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for bringing your touch to our lives. And thank you that through Jesus, we stand forgiven. And so I want to make sure as we're praying together, you, re you remind yourself of this fact. If you've put your trust in Jesus, everything that I've said today is just some extra to kind of work on as you go. But you, your starting place is, I'm forgiven. I'm not condemned. There's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. There's conviction. We need some of that. And maybe this message brought a little. But there's no condemnation. Before you stop praying, would you just maybe remind your own soul, I'm loved and I'm forgiven by Jesus. And just say it, I'm loved and I'm forgiven by Jesus. You could say it again, I'm loved and I'm forgiven by Jesus. Um, for someone, I want you to hear this. We're talking about the power of the tongue and the words that you say, there is something you can say that could change everything. Romans 10.9 says this. It says, if, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If, if you declare that with your mouth, with your ability to communicate, your ability to say something, if you make that declaration, if you say that, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, God's promises, you will be saved. You probably have a lot of questions to still think about and learn from. You probably have a, a bunch of issues you'll need to work through still, but, but the starting point is you confess, you declare Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. I want you to have a chance to do that. If you've never just finally said it, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I want to invite you to do that today. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life, do it today. Do it today. Ask him to forgive you and save you. And if you want to do this, if you are sitting here saying, I want to be right with God, I want to ask him to forgive my sins and save my life, then I want you to join me right now and raise your hand. If you're ready to say, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me, I want you to raise your hand really high right now and look at me. Just let it be known. This is it. I'm saying yes to Jesus and asking him to forgive my sin and save my life. You raise your hand with me really high and pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Jesus, I'm yours. 
And from this moment on, you are my Lord and my Savior. And I declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I receive it now. The gift of salvation, I receive it now. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand up together. As you're standing up together, don't you want to see more and more evidence of the kingdom of heaven coming through your life? It can happen in so many ways. This is one of the ways. What you say. I'm praying it sounds more like heaven. This is what it's like. This is what it's like. Why don't you sing that out? 